Hey guys, thank you for joining me for, um, for another Chats from the Blog Cabin. Today I am joined by my amazing friend Molly Stillman from the popular lifestyle blog, Still Being Molly. And she and I are going to talk just about anything and everything you could possibly think about under the sun and see what led me to adopt my compassion child. Stay tuned. chats from the blog cabin today i have the amazing and awesome molly stillman with me molly is just like one of the people if you've been a long time follower of my blog you know that i've written about molly so much so molly tell my viewers about yourself i am so well first that intro is awesome i uh, i that was amazing i loved it i need an intro like that for just my life. Uh, <laughs> like when I get up in the morning, I need an intro like that to just start playing. <laughs> um, yes, I'm so excited. So um, Melissa, you and I have known each other for quite some time. So we go, we go way back right and um, into the early days of blogging. Um, but just a little bit about me. My name is Molly, as you can clearly see on the screen. Um, I'm a wife to John, a mom to Lily and Amos, and a blogger at Still Being Molly. And I'm a host of the Business with Purpose podcast. I started blogging um, in 2007. And really even before that, but kind of like the current iteration of my blog, I started in 2007. So it's been, um, yeah, like over 13 years at this point, which is pretty crazy. And um, I just, that's what I, this is my full-time job. It's what I love to do. Um, I also write and I speak and teach and uh, I love Jesus and uh, Chipotle burritos. Yeah, Chipotle yeah. burritos. You and your Chipotle and Diet Cokes, right? I know. Well, yeah. So funny enough, I I gave up Diet Coke for Lent, mm. and that was like the longest I'd gone without Diet Coke for uh like since I was pregnant, probably. And oh, even wow. when I was pregnant, I still had them sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I was like 50. What Lent was actually? It was not 40 days. It was like 50 something. <laughs> um, and of course, I did not plan this like prior to a global pandemic. Um, I did not like <laughs> realize. And then my husband and I also had planned to do Whole30. So we were doing Whole30 and I was fasting Diet Coke for Lent. That was not a wise decision. In the end, it actually became a wise decision. I say all that to say that since Easter, I have... Like I don't keep Diet Coke in the house anymore, so I can't, I'm not tempted to drink it when I'm home. And 
instead I will like treat myself to one like a fountain if we're going and like getting food oh. out, which is not often. So my new thing is um, which I'm gonna crack it open is that the like I love the um not LaCroix, but the good oh. and gather sparkling huh. waters from Target. Oh, from Target. Wow. So they're really good. Um the lime is is good. My favorite flavor is actually the tropical cherry. Cause it's like a lemon lime cherry flavor. It's really yeah, good. good. Anyway, so I'm gonna I'm gonna crack that open. <laughs> Molly, for those that don't know Molly, Molly is super hilarious. I mean, <laughs> if you never listen to a business with purpose podcast of hers, one of the ones I would suggest you go listen to are the ones with you and your husband together, because the way you guys just play off each other is just hilarious. I mean, the other ones are good as well, but this, those are just like entertaining. Like if you're having a bad day, put one of those on and you'll just start laughing the whole way through. Well, we haven't recorded it yet, but, uh, Let's see. Last week, I just re I just released episode one ninety three, and episode two hundred is coming up. So, uh, episode two hundred, my husband is going to make an appearance. So that'll be like the first week of July. So not that far away. So if you, there will be a new episode with my husband, like July first. Is it going to be answering viewers' questions again? I we haven't honestly decided yet because I feel like two hundred is that's a pretty big milestone. <laughs> So we want to do something creative, but we, ha we honestly, have <laughs> I haven't had the time to like, think about it yet. So we shall see. Totally see. Yes. Now I want to share with my viewers for those that aren't um, familiar with what I've written about Molly on the blog. I actually wrote a blog post about her comparing her to a member of the Royal family. You remember that one, Molly? Yes, I did. You, I compared her to Meghan Markle. That was like the sweetest thing. Cause I love her. And one of the reasons why I compared, um, you to Meghan Markle is how, tell us a story about when you were a little girl and you were trying to get your, um, community to get a sidewalk. It yes. So, uh, it's kind of a long story. So the long story short is that, um, when I was little, I grew up in a really old house um, in, an, in an old town in Northern Virginia, and my neighborhood didn't have any sidewalks. And so I was kind of like the older kid in the neighborhood, and I was sort of kind of placed in charge of keeping an eye on all the littler kids. And one day there was a kid, I mean, this had happened pretty frequently, but there was a kid in my neighborhood who was almost hit by a car. And so I remember that night I, I asked my parents, I said, like, how do we get sidewalks in our neighborhood? And they said, well, you have to go, you know, petition the town council and see if the town council will grant you permission to have sidewalks. And so I marched myself upstairs and typed up a speech on my Macintosh Classic 2 computer. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was, um, I went to the town council and gave that speech. I was eight and a half years old okay. and the, the town council thought I was adorable and, uh, they kind of patronized me a little bit and they were like, that's cute. Uh, well, long story short, after about two and a half years of letter writing and petitioning and many, many town council visits and, yeah, bugging the you know what out of them. Uh, finally, one day, an engineer and a town council member showed up to my house to ask me where to put the sidewalks. <laughs> so, uh, 
Yeah, we got sidewalks in our neighborhood. I carved my name in the cement and uh, this it is still there today. That is so, and that started you on a whole line of being, um, voting for the little man. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you look at Molly's blog, which I'm sharing the screen now, it tells you a little bit about her. It says, this is a lifestyle blog. It exists to inspire women to walk joyfully and confidently in the in purpose and to know they are created with a purpose for a purpose. Now, Molly, tell us a little bit about some of the things that you talk about on the blog. Yeah, I would say my my main focus topics. Well, I write about, you know, I kind of categorize it as lifestyle. So, you know, you can you can fit a lot of things under there. I've written about recipes and parenting and things like that. But I'd say like my biggest main topics are ethical and fair trade fashion and kind of what I sort of categorize as purchasing with purpose. And so a lot of things can kind of fall under that. And so really just educating consumers on the power of their of their purchases and supporting brands and companies that are, uh, you know, utilizing fair trade values. They are, um, you know, they're paying their, their, you know, kind of from the supply chain all the way up through the, um, you know, the, the, the people on the floor that are selling their products, that people are, are paid fairly, a living wage, and that they're taken care of and they're in safe um, conditions. And so a lot of things sort of fall under that. Obviously, I love fashion. So that is a big, big part of it. But it also can, you know, do everything from beauty to, um, uh, to to accessories and um, you know skincare to home decor uh, even food like the you know the the kind of the farm to table movement knowing where your food comes from that kind of thing um, and then uh, yeah so I'd say that's kind of like the big big focus that I have um, but then I also um, you know I'm a woman of faith and so I talk a lot about my faith um, and kind of this connection aspect that's one of my biggest things that I love with my blog is, is connecting with people and, and using it as a platform to hopefully encourage and inspire and, um, challenge women, um, to know that they were created with a purpose on purpose for a purpose. And I just want people to walk that out. And so I talk a lot about that. And then obviously I'm a mom of two young kids. And so there's a lot of stuff there that, <laughs> that happens. So, yeah. I really like when you interview your um, Amos and Lily about their question. Or do they interview you? I forget. No, I. So every year on their birthday, I interview them and I ask pretty much the same questions every single year. I usually start it obviously when they're one. They can't really answer the questions. When they're two, they're very simple questions because, like, I mean, how much can they talk it to? Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, pretty much from like three on. I, um, I ask just about the same questions every year and it's hilarious to see like year to year what questions they have the exact same answer to. And then some years the answers change. So, um, for like Lily, her favorite food every year since I've done it is Chipotle, which I'm like, that is my kid. <laughs> there you go. That's my kid. So, yeah. Anybody that follows you on Instagram, know you go there at least what once a week, if not more. <laughs> I know. I know. And so when my husband and I were doing Whole30, Whole Th Chipotle does have Whole30 options. And so one day we got takeout. Like we didn't eat out at all during Whole30 with the exception of we got takeout one day from from Chipotle because they had a Whole30 option. And we both ate it. We were like, 
oh, this is not the same. Like I need rice. I need cheese. I need beans. Like this is not, this is like lettuce and meat. Like I can make myself lettuce and meat and put salsa on it. Um, so yeah, but, um, and then during quarantine, uh, so funny, funny, quick story. So we finished whole 30 and we were a month into quarantine at that point. And the only thing that I had just been like really craving throughout quarantine was like a legit burrito bowl from Chipotle. And, but we hadn't been out at all. Like we had not, we had not left the house. We had not gotten takeout from any restaurants. We had, you know, maybe just been to the grocery store. Well, like the Monday or maybe it was Friday, I guess. Yeah. We'd finished whole 30 on a Thursday. So then that next day for lunch, the only thing I wanted was Chipotle. And so I'd gone out and I was so excited and I get to the Chipotle by my house and it's closed. And I was like, no, like just absolutely heartbroken. So I like looked up to see which other Chipotles around me were open, found one. So now I drive to a Chipotle that is further from my house at least once a week to go get Chipotle takeout because it's the only one that's open near me. I was really upset. Sponsor a blog post about it because as much as you love Chipotle, they should sponsor you somewhere. I know. Well, I actually had um, their director of sustainability on my podcast, which was like a dream come true. Um, and I like dropped it. I was like, I mean, if y'all, if y'all just want to sponsor me and just pay me in free food, I'd be down. But one day that's the goal well look how far you come i mean i remember you just had a small blog and then i think that's when we first started met and we were through trifab the organization that you put together for yeah. fellow bloggers and now you're speaking across the country you're you're designing clothes for companies <laughs> i mean i'm like wow and your podcast is like so awesome oh thank you Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a lot of work, um, but it's really fun and I really enjoy it. So, I mean, it still is, you know, and, and like any other job, it, there's job aspects to it that I'm just like, I don't want to deal with paperwork or contracts or invoicing or, you know, just kind of the mundane back end stuff. But creating content and connecting with people is something I just I love. Now, um, fair and ethical trade. Let's go back to that. I know you always do a campaign, especially with Lily Pulitzer, asking who made your clothes. And mm-hmm. have they responded yet for that? No, no. Um, but like the sidewalks, uh, clearly that um, they have no idea that I'm going to not relent until they reply to me. But yeah, no, they have never. They have yet to reply to me. It's been over probably three years at this point that I've been sending the messages and one day. Now, for those that aren't familiar with fair and ethical trade, can you give us a little bit of background behind that? Yeah. So, I mean, the term fair trade for a long time, people just sort of associated it with the idea of like coffee, tea, and chocolate. Um, But, you know, the concept of fair trade is not new by any means. It's just garnered a lot of attention and really gained steam over the last probably 10 10 to 15 years, Um, really even more so in the last um, five to six um, 
But I first learned about it really in the context of just general purchasing and, and goods was in 2011. I was on a trip to Kenya and when I was in Kenya, um, on our last day there, actually, before we were heading to the airport, we had probably about uh, eight hours or so um, before we had to be at the airport. So we kind of had a little bit of time to kill. And so we ended up, um, I think it was actually planned, but we ended up going on a tour of the Kazuri Bead Factory, which is in downtown Nairobi, Kenya. And Kazuri is really awesome. Um, they've been around a long time, fair trade brand and uh you know they're based out of um <coughs> excuse me they're based out of Kenya and um they make uh clay beaded jewelry they um which is just beautiful the pottery sandals all kinds of really beautiful handcrafted um art and pieces and uh it's just it's really um yeah it's a really amazing uh company and so we toured their factory, which is, you know, it's not large, um, but we got to meet a lot of their artisans. And what's really unique about them is that they hire women in Kenya who would otherwise really be shunned by their communities. Um, a lot of them might have special needs. Um, some of them might be HIV AIDS positive. Um, a lot of them are single moms. Um, they're able to bring their children to work with them, um, but they're really earning an amazing, um, you know, they're, they're earning a living wage, they're gaining job skills, they're creating community. And um, it's just a really, it's a really, really amazing uh, brand. And, and that was like where I was able to see, oh, fair trade, like mm -hmm. this changes people's lives. Mm -hmm. And um, I think charity is is all well and good. Um, and I think charity certainly has a place. But if we're really going to eliminate and end global and generational poverty, the thing that does that is jobs, is job creation and using business as a force for good. And so when I came home from that trip in 2011, um, I really just kind of dove headfirst into learning as much as I could about the world of fair trade and um, just became really passionate about it. And then you started writing about it. And that's what mm -hmm. led to the Business with Purpose podcast. Am I yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, I started writing about it on my blog and <laughs> just kind of sharing as much as I could about it. And, uh, yeah, it was, um, it was really, uh, you know, I wanted another platform where I could share the stories of these companies and businesses and just entrepreneurs or people that are using their careers and their, um, their vocational life as a force for good. That is so awesome. Now, tell me a little bit, because I know once you got started involved with the fair and ethical trade, you started getting involved with the human trafficking. Mm -hmm. Well, that was actually, um, those were actually sort of separate events. Um, I got involved in anti-human trafficking also in 2011, but that was like a completely separate thing. I'd gone to uh, just an event at my church where uh, we had... Um, watched, we had screened a documentary as kind of like an art. I wouldn't even call it a documentary, but it was like a, um, this art piece movie, um, that sort of dramatized what human trafficking is. And it was called the candy shop and it was produced out of a, a by a, a group out of Georgia. And so it's dramatized, um, but it, it, 
it's pretty creepy. I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's powerful. Um, and what it does is it shows, uh, this kind of candy store, this creepy, it kind of is set in like the maybe twenties and it shows this candy shop, op- uh, owner and he lures kids in, uh, you know, on the guise of giving them candy, but he ends up turning them into candy and then he sells them to people like to men who want to buy candy. And so it's like a, it's a metaphor obviously for human trafficking and, and how people are lured into it. And so then there was like this really powerful discussion afterwards. And um, it just was something that I really wanted to get involved in. And, but kind of to your point, the interesting thing is, is that when, I got deeper into learning more about human trafficking. And when I got deeper into learning more about the the world of fair trade, I I thought they were unrelated. Mm -hmm. And then I realized how much they are related and how so many people are lured into human trafficking because they're not earning a living wage or they're in um, unsafe working conditions or they're experiencing uh, generational poverty. And so you have parents who are selling their children into the human trafficking industry. I mean, there's just, there's so much connectivity there. And one of the biggest ways to prevent somebody from being trafficked is to give them a job with a living wage, because then they don't have to, they don't have to go elsewhere. So, um, so yeah, but it was funny how God just kind of used that where I was passionate about these kind of two separate things. And the more and more I learned about them, the more and more they came together and realized, oh, these are actually very related. And you're also doing it more on the home front fighting against that. Am I correct? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I've worked with some local organizations here in North Carolina, um, for many years, done some local advocacy work. So it's something that I'm passionate about, you know, eradicating not just abroad, but here at home as well. Now, I'm going to tell you, um, the viewers don't know this because I have not shared this to anybody yet, except for Molly. Molly knows. Molly was writing a story about compassion. Um, and she led me to adopt this little girl. She's from Mexico and she was born on my sister's birthday. So her name is. Yamara, Carolina. I told her it was just awesome because it was meant to be that it was meant to be. That was my sister's birthday. So Molly actually led me to do that. So if you've not checked out Compassion, it's a great program. Tell us a little bit more about Compassion, Molly. Yeah, I love Compassion International. I could talk about them for days and days and days. Um, I'll kind of give you my link here at the beginning. Um, if you want to check them out, you can go to compassion.com forward slash Molly. So compassion.com forward slash Molly. And there's a whole page there. Uh, I don't even know if you can pull that up, Melissa, and you can show it, Um, but you'll see my face there, but then you'll see some amazing kids on that page who are available for sponsorship. And the way that, um, the child sponsorship program works is that, um, well, Compassion International National One is the uh, the oldest and most reputable um, uh, child sponsorship program in the world, really. It was started back in the 50s. And um, I actually had the CEO, the president of Compassion, on my podcast back in the fall. So you can hear um, the story of Compassion, which is just incredible. Um, but this is a really amazing organization that is doing charity and, you know, kind of nonprofit work right and well. And I can just say like, 
like in full confidence, this is an organization like when you when you are donating money, you know that it is going to where they say it's going to go. And um, yeah, so uh, they have a couple different pieces. I mean, obviously, they have, uh, you know, funds, they have um, emergency relief funds, uh, disaster relief funds, they have um, an entire fund that is dedicated towards um, what they call the child uh, the child survivor program. So a lot of women in developing nations, when they become pregnant, um, they are at high risk of, um, of, you know, of death during childbirth of, of their children dying within the first year of life due to starvation and various things. Um, and so what the child survival program does is is compassion is kind of coming alongside um, these families and and really working to make sure that these kids are making it not just to their first birthday but beyond and that the moms are are getting the maternal health uh, care that they need all those kinds of things the resources really creating community um, well what is, what I think that is really amazing about compassion it is it is not some rich Americans going into these countries and showing up there and doing all the work and saying, you know, our way is the right way. No, 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 no. What this is actually, this is a global organization. So there are sponsors and donors from literally all over the world, all different um, backgrounds and races and ethnicities and socioeconomic statuses. Um, But what they do is they actually, Compassion partners with the local church in that community. And it is run entirely by local people in that community. So you know, you're not, you don't have somebody from the U.S. going into a remote village in Kenya and planting themselves there. And no, no, what they do is they find areas where there are people who are in need, situations that um, that are are just really are are dire, and they're finding local churches and they're they're partnering with those local churches to implement these programs. And um, the goal, the entire goal is to work themselves out of a job. Like Compassion wants to be able to leave there. Um, And in fact, I think one of the great examples is, uh, you know, Compassion actually started with South Korea. South Korea was the first country that Compassion did a child sponsorship program with, um, all these kinds of programs. And eventually, South Korea no longer needed the program because they were um, they were they were so they were doing so well. And now what's really cool is the roles have flipped and South Korea is now the second largest donor and sponsoring country after the United States. So the fact that that the child sponsorship program started in South Korea and they are now no longer a, a sponsor E country, they are a sponsoring country, is amazing. Um, and so the way that the child sponsorship program works, works, which is what they're most well known for, is that you you partner with a child, you sponsor a child, you and your family um, can uh, can connect with a child um, in need, in poverty um, around the world, and your you you that sponsor and that child, it, it is just you. That child does not have another sponsor. It's just you and that child. And you have the opportunity to develop a relationship with that child um, through letter writing. Um, you can send um, you know extra money for gifts. And what's really cool is 
Um, I actually, I, so I've been to a couple of the compassion child development centers actually in Kenya. So all of these, uh, kiddos that you see on this page here and some, actually I, there's even a couple amazing teenagers as well. Um, I've gotten to meet all of those kids. Um, I got to meet them on my last trip to Kenya and they are just amazing. They're just the, the most amazing, um, kids in, in, I sponsor, uh, my family and I sponsor two, sponsor two kids in that community. And so we've gotten to meet them, meet their families, um, you know, spend time in their homes. And one of the things that was really cool is I got to see um, the the folder of the kid that um, my family and I sponsor. And so we got to see copies of our letters, the letters uh, they've sent us, the letters we've sent. Um, but also they check on obviously their, um, you know, mental, physical, emotional, and spiritual development. They're making sure that these kids are getting food. Um, they're making sure their families are getting food. Um, education, clothing, safety, shelter. Um, and additionally, um, you know, I've sent a birthday gift to my sponsored child in, in the form of money. But what they do is, is that money goes to the, 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 again, the local leader of that child development center. And that local leader then works with the family to figure out what does the child need um, or what does the family need. And so um, I got a letter from our our sweet sponsored uh, kiddo, Edwin, who is just, he's hilarious. He's the funniest kid. We had the best time hanging out together. Um, but I got a letter from Edwin because his birthday was recently. And uh, he wrote, he said that uh, with the, the birthday money that he got, he his mom bought him some very smart looking, which is like, what he says, like, cool. It's like, if something's very smart, he'd be like, oh, it's very smart looking. Uh, he's like, I say, I got some smart looking um, new school shoes. And I was like, oh, I love it. Um, another friend of mine, their family uh, for a Christmas gift got the money and they bought a cow with it. Oh, wow. And then the cow was pregnant and had babies. So oh, now wow. they have like five cows, which like, <laughs> in them like they're they're rolling in dough now i'm just kidding yeah. um but you know yeah. they're like that's a really huge blessing so it's just a really amazing um program but i've also the other thing is is that i have had the just privilege of i have some actually dear friends who were themselves uh children who were in the compassion program and they're now um adults young adults and um some that are even my age and to be able to hear kind of on the other side, cause it can, you know, there's so much misunderstanding and people see like, you know, pictures of, of these kids and you just think like, Oh, it's, it, it, it's easy to remove yourself from it. And you think like, well, is this doing anything? Like I can name, you know, like six, seven, eight, nine people that I can think of that I know personally that I, I have a relationship with these amazing people who were compassion um, in the compassion program as children. And yes, it had, it, it was life changing for them. And now what's really amazing is they sponsor children now. Oh, and awesome. so to see like they were in the program and then now they sponsor children. And so it's just continuing to, um, to kind of funnel, um, or just really, you know, create a, a really positive cycle. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, they've, a couple of them have said how, like in, in the compassion program, you know, their letters from their sponsors, these, these people that they connected with, um, they became like family. Cause you know, one, uh, a couple of my friends, like they had this same sponsor from the age of five to 18. 
Oh, wow. And so over, you know, 13 years, they're developing a strong relationship. They, it becomes like family. And uh, my friend uh, Katz was, was sharing how his sponsor for a long time, like his sponsor was the only person who ever told him that, that he was loved. And how he would get these letters from his sponsor telling him that he was loved. And he's like, you know, this is a a man I've never met. He hopes to meet him one day, but it was a a, a man who sponsored him and, and really spoke into his life. So your letters, I mean, the letters are powerful and we, my family and I, like our kids, we love getting letters um, each and every week. So yeah. So you can go to compassion.com slash Molly. You can um, sponsor a child from any of the countries that compassion works with. Um, I obviously have been to Kenya and I've gotten to meet those kids. And so that's why like you see those kids on that page, but even on my compassion.com slash Molly page, you can connect yeah. with all over the world. Yeah. Cause I search for Mexico and then I search for the specific birthday for the little girl because I wanted to do something in honor of my sister. So that's amazing. Happening. I love it. Now let's take a little turn and talk about your faith and how it's gotten you through some tough times. Cause I know there's a lot that you've gone through in your life. Mm-hmm. And I know you have two angel babies. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about that. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, I was not raised a Christian. I did not, I was not raised really in a, um, you know, going to church. My parents were, were both raised Catholic. And, um, so I would go to mass on Christmas and Easter, but it wasn't something that I was doing regularly. Um, and my mom passed away when I was 17, uh, due to, um, exposure of, um, agent orange in Vietnam, as you and I know that we have that in common. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I was angry after that. And I, I really struggled, um, in my walk with God after that. Um, and you know, many, many poor decisions later, um, I was at one point in 2008, I was tens of thousand dollars, tens of thousands of dollars in consumer credit card debt. And, uh, I was really struggling. I was really, really struggling. And, um, Finally, in the fall of 2010, I started attending uh, New Hope Church here in Durham, North Carolina, and it was the first time in my life I'd kind of, I'd really just hit rock bottom, and I was kind of tired of running from God, and um, I just, I realized that it was time for me to, uh, to, to, <laughs> to surrender it all to Him, and um, I'm not saying life got easy after that, uh, but my life definitely changed. And uh, my life has never been the same since I, uh, since I became a believer in 2010. And hey, we are live. Hello, I'm to pull up your thing. You're still there. Oh, okay. I was like, I heard something. <laughs> it was you. I was trying to pull up you preaching last night on the screen, and I didn't realize Facebook was. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. I was like, oh no, did something happen? No, um. Good. Yeah. So, uh, and then in 2018, my husband and I, um, we experienced two back-to-back second trimester pregnancy losses. And, um, it really, uh, that was my lowest point for sure since I became a believer. And, um, but it was during that time, you know, even though I'd been walking with God for, you know, six years at that point, um, or no, eight years at that point. Math is hard. Um, 
Um, you know, even though I'd been um, walking with God for eight years at that point, I um, it was really the point at which uh, it was a turning point in my faith relationship um, and how I really um, just dove headfirst into studying God's word. I felt a call to ministry. Um, so now I lead my, my church's women's ministry, as you can see here on the screen. Um, I travel and speak at other churches and, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I could, <laughs> I could go on for a long time, but yeah. that's, that's really I, I short, the short of it. Because anybody that's watching now go to New Hope's church equipped last night, Molly brought it. I mean, I did a Bible study with Molly through, um, who is it? I forget the name. A BSF. BSF called with James just for two weeks. And I'm like, Oh, I want it to last longer just for what you put into the group and what you, you. you know, so definitely check this video out on Facebook after Thank we did it because Thank Molly you. really brought it. Thank and you. I, I was going to brag on you, didn't I? Oh, you're so sweet. <laughs> I just love you. Now, so having two kids that are elementary school age during COVID-19. Yeah. <laughs> tips for moms out there watching. <laughs> well, currently I can hear my children uh, running around my house. So maybe I'm not the best uh, advice. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> um, you know, the biggest thing for us has been creating some type of routine and Fig, finding in order to create a way in which we are separating the week from the weekend, because if we didn't, every day could just feel like Saturday and and that could actually be a not good thing, mm -hmm. um, especially with the kids having to do homeschool. So, uh, you know, it can it, it, it could get ugly pretty quick. So we do a real we try to really institute some type of. um you know, some type of, uh, what do you call it? Uh, just, yeah, I mean, just schedule like a schedule. Um, my brain is completely mush today. Um, and so, you know, we do, you know, my kids each have like their zoom calls with their classes and then we've got, um, different things that we do throughout the day. I mean, when we first started all of this, I had like a really intense, like color coded, daytime homeschool schedule, which we actually kept up for about a month, maybe even a little bit longer than that. But then at the time, like we were thinking like, oh, this is only going to be a couple weeks. And then once we got further into it and I realized like, I don't think these kids are going back to school. Then we started, I started to be a little bit more lax on it. Um, for my own sanity, honestly, because I, at one point, like I got, I said to my husband, I was like, I, I, like, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is too much. And people who are like trying to be like, well, it's just like, you know, homeschoolers do it. I'm like, this is not homeschooling. This is COVID schooling. This is something <laughs> totally different. Like, this is completely unprecedented. There's a total like homeschoolers use a curriculum and like there's there's and they're and homeschoolers are not spending seven to eight hours a day doing homeschool. Like it's, I've, I've talked to so many homeschool moms and they're like, no, that's not what I do. And on top of that, you have people who, parents who are trying to work from home as well. Okay. So I'd say the biggest thing is routine. Um, another thing is quiet time is, is we, there is a mandatory quiet time every single day. Those kids are in their rooms. I said, I don't care what you do. I mean, they can't be on their iPads. Um, but like, 
you, you just have to be quiet. You can read books. You can listen to books. So they they love podcasts and audiobooks. So my kids will be in their room. They'll listen to books um, during their quiet time. I'm like, you can nap. I literally don't care. Like, just don't come out of your room and bother me for an hour. Like, I have to have that time. Um, I wish it was longer than an hour. <laughs> <laughs> just kidding. Actually, not really. Um, yeah. So that, I would say that's the biggest thing is find the thing that you can separate the week from the weekend. That's the, that is the biggest thing. And then get yourself quiet time. Um, and then if you're married, um, you know, with your spouse, date your spouse, even at home. Um, my husband and I, we have weekly date nights, um, at home and we look forward to it every single week. It's so much fun. And so that's been really important to us. Um, and then we do things as a family, you know, we have family movie nights and the kids have had slumber parties together and it's been really sweet. So there has certainly been our fair share of meltdowns, me included. So, um, certainly not perfect, but I would say those have been the biggest things that have really helped. I have to ask, has baby CC been involved in some of these COVID-19. <laughs> baby Cece is still around, but she gets lost still a lot. So it's baby Cece is like this tiny little Doc McStuffins figurine that my son became obsessed with somehow. Um, he wasn't even two yet and he's over four now. So it's been a while. Um, but uh, yeah, she gets lost a lot and he he's really more he still loves her and when he does find her he just dotes on her but he um he is car obsessed he has more hot wheels and like little cars than i feel like any one human should and yet he knows every single one of them he knows he has names for them and like if he loses one of his like if he and he has a like weird I, ways of identifying them. Like one, he's got probably like four or five different versions of lightning McQueen. Uh-huh. And he has one that's like spiky lightning McQueen and, it, and he has soft lightning McQueen. I don't know. I can't tell the difference between them, but he can. And if spiky lightning McQueen goes missing, like it's the end of the world. <laughs> it's like when baby CC went missing. I know. I'm just like, I don't understand. Like what, what in the world? <laughs> So, Tater, your dog has not gotten any more baby CCs, or we are we keep we keep baby CC under wraps now. <laughs> Speaking of my dog, I was like, I know one of my dogs is in here, but then she was like asleep on the floor. So. Is that Audrey Hepper? Yes, Audrey is on the floor. She's down there. She's an old lady now. <laughs> She's an old lady. Sounds like She's my dog. <laughs> so, you talked about dating your husband during COVID. I know last night on the New Hope broadcast that you shared he made a mini golf course Tell us yeah in our house in our house so he i mean it was guys it was not fancy um but it was creative and it was awesome it was actually really fun so he took like one of those frisbees that has a hole in the middle so like one of those kind of ring frisbees mm-hmm. and that was the hole and then he um I, I mean we have a putter and golf balls and so just throughout the house he created like little putt putt holes and we putted through the office and he would like use file cabinets to be obstacles or he would have us like put down the stairs i mean all kinds of stuff like it was just it was so creative um and so 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 much fun i can just imagine you guys both because laughing yeah oh yeah we had the best time we had the best time and i just remember being i was like you were the most creative person like i never i would have never thought to create an indoor putt-putt course but yeah he did and uh it was really really fun 
Okay, I know a lot of Instagram fans are wondering if you are ever going to do another movie where you do the commentary during the movie. Oh, yes. Um, We have done that. And it has been, um, it's been super fun. So we've, I think we have saved most of them um, on my Instagram story highlights. So you might have to go back a little ways, but we haven't done it in a while, but we probably should. It's it's super fun. Like so there's theater three thousand, yeah. two thousand. There it is. Let me That's see if do. I can find them real quick. For those that don't know, Molly and her husband. Like I said at the beginning, Molly's husband has a very dry sense of humor, and they get they just play off of each other, and they watch a Netflix <laughs> movie and do commentary. And I think one of the reasons is not because of um, what he says; it's the way Molly reacts to it. <laughs> That just makes you start laughing. He's funny. People don't realize how funny he is until they really get to know him. But yeah, he's very funny. Oh, man. I don't even. What's the highlight reel? Because I'm looking at the highlight reel. It's so. Oh, gosh. I don't know. It would probably be like movie reviews or something like that. Yeah. Let me share it real quick so that everybody can see it. So this is Molly's um, Instagram and see it says movie reviews. I had to go over like five or six. Tabs. Yeah, it's it's way it's way back there because we haven't done one in a while. But yeah, but it's super hilarious. Let's see if we could just play one real quick because they're like short trip. So we're having a little date night in. Um, I've convinced John to watch. A Christmas Prince with me on Netflix just so we can make fun of it. So who's excited about this? Look at these lovely scenes of New York City. <laughs> so happy. Oh, New York. So lovely. Those Aldovians. So we're really talking the whole time he's quiet. <laughs> I know. So he does have he he does insert his opinion. I promise. Just wants to be a journalist. Who knew that showing someone how to shoot a bow and arrow was always so romantic? If I had a nickel. Oh, hit on the chick that way. <laughs> of course, it goes through the window of an expensive castle. Okay, I'll stop sharing, but if there's a didn't hear it, he says, of course, if I had a nickel for every time I hit on a chick that way. <laughs> I mean, yep. just that's just entertainment in itself. You guys really should have your own talk show. Just <laughs> you guys doing things like this. It's fun. Okay. Now, before we go, tell me something, one unusual thing about yourself. One unusual thing about myself. Um... This probably isn't unusual. I'm left-handed. Uh, I did sketch an improv comedy for 15 years, and my dream was to be on Saturday Night Live. Um, I played golf for 18 years. Oh. And uh, when I was, I don't know, like maybe eight-ish, ish Um, I was golfing with my dad. We were at a golf course and Bill Clinton showed up with his, um, 
his secret service and uh, to play. And I, um, I mean, he had just become president. Oh, wow. And I think, yeah, because this would have been, I mean, he was what, elected in 92, 93. And he had, it was like pretty recent after he became president and, um, I wouldn't shake his hand. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I didn't know any, I just was like, I don't know this guy. Like to me, I mean, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know this dude. Like I'm not shaking your hand. And now you're kicking yourself because you used to work for the governor of Virginia. Uh, like- Virginia. Yeah. When Tim Kaine was governor of Virginia, I worked for, um, for him. And then, and then one day, then he was a vice presidential candidate. So yeah, it was pretty wild. All right. So real quick, some comments, Lucy Brummett says two of my favorite ladies. Um, Sandy, Love Lucy. Sandy is actually going to be on the show next Friday. She's awesome. author. She said your blog sounds great, Molly. Thank you, Sandy. Um, Lisa says connecting to inspire. Love it. When we were talking about your blog. So fun. And then Sandy also agreed with you about the intro. So fun. So, so fun. All right. Thank you so much, Molly, for hopping on. Even though you have two small kids at home, I appreciate (gasps) you so much. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for having me, Melissa. And I love just kind of hanging out with you for a little bit. All right. Bye, guys. See you guys on Monday. Bye. Thank you for joining me and listening to Chats in the Blog Cabin. I hope you learned a lot from Molly. Molly's just an amazing person all around. And be sure to check out her blog, stillbeingmolly.com. I hope you have a great rest of your day. Be blessed and keep chatting.